This is Based in Fact, a true crime podcast. Join host Lisa O'Brien as she examines America's most infamous true crime cases through the lens of the court, not the court of public opinion. No spin, no theories, no rumors, just facts. Here's Lisa O'Brien. And good evening. Welcome to a bonus episode of uh, Based in Fact, a true crime podcast. I'm here with Jennifer Harmon of Oklahoma Victims Innocence Project. And I apologize if I'm getting that wrong because I don't have any written intro. And we are talking about the spin, heavily, heavily spun press conference uh, fronted by Representative Kevin McDougal in Oklahoma on Tuesday, February 22nd, uh, regarding a, quote, independent, unquote, investigation of the Richard Glossop case. Uh, Richard, Richard Glossop is on death row in Oklahoma for the murder for hire of his boss at a motel in Oklahoma City, a man by the name of Barry Van Treese. And good evening. Welcome. Thank you for joining me, Jennifer. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me for this bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, because it's, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't something we planned. But when you, you know, sent me the information about the press conference yesterday, I was ready to do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and. To be sure, I mean, shout out to my counterpart in Oklahoma City, Amy. Um, we co-founded Oklahoma Victims Innocence Project. Um, she was at the presser and asked some questions that made those guys squirm. And one of them had to suddenly leave early. Mm-hmm. A shout out to Amy. A shout out to you and Roberta Glass and Martin Preeb, Dudley Sharp, all of you guys who've been talking about this for so long. And now it's here in Oklahoma, we are ground zero with this death penalty innocence project, AKA innocence fraud stuff. And it's like Martin has said in the past, this is a cancer what's happening and um, I was furious after that press conference. So a shout out to all of you guys who have already been doing this work for a long time. And again, to my counterpart, Amy in Oklahoma City, as well as Glossop victims who are having to deal with this once again and have been having to deal with this for so many years. So we're just trying to make sure that um, there is balanced information and factual information out there and and speak up for the victims who are have been terrorized by Mr. Glossop personally from prison and feel they have no way of speaking out. And that is a it's a very important uh, important calling it sounds like for you. I don't know. I like Amy. I just, um, you know, Amy 
works in, in, in the legal field. I work in public safety and, you know, there are just certain things that occur where the timing is just right and heads come together and say, we have to do something. And so that started with the Julius Jones mm-hmm. um, innocence fraud public sham and the Glossop one is it's the same playbook it's the same narrative um, unfortunately we have state representatives who with the Republican Party surprisingly who are attempting to pass different kinds of legislation that are basically pro-criminal rights and they are creating a public safety crisis and Oklahoma voters like me are pissed Mm -hmm. and so when we have even when those guys are arguing for stuff based on blatant lies when people like Mr. McDougal, Representative Humphrey, Representative Mize and Cowboy Stevens are standing before Oklahomans arguing for the innocence of a man who was rightfully convicted and is guilty, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahomans need to know what's going on and they need to get informed and we're going to inform them. And it's time to vote out anybody that's going to put our safety at risk. Correct. Because they really are invading the province of the, the judicial branch. Because now they're putting themselves and saying, well, we don't think there's enough evidence. So we're going to undo everything that's been done by the courts and mm-hmm. have a separate quote investigation, which it, it isn't. It, it, everything that they said, everything they said on behalf of Glossop was a spun version of the facts. They didn't talk about him helping in the room to right. put a shower curtain over the broken window, helping right. cover Vantrese's body, Barry Vantrese's body, right? Helping put up the plate plexiglass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Directing the cops and other people, keeping them away from room 102 for 17 hours. And now there's a chance that Barry Vantrese didn't die that night, that he lingered. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Glossop could have saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I want to talk about the BS uh, about, quote, motive. He didn't have to kill him to get $2,000. Well, yeah, he did. Because Ventrice was on to him. And even if he wasn't going to be arrested for embezzlement, which probably would have happened, mm-hmm. he certainly was going to be on, out on his ass. Well, right. I mean, he was about to get confronted with embezzling. Yeah, he was about to get outed and fired and probably arrested for embezzlement. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the primary reason for freaking out and, and getting Justin Sneed on board. And then, you know, the thing about killing him for the money, he's the only person who knew where the money was in the, under the car seat. So he needs that money to get on down the road. Correct. And, yeah. and that's another fact that, that these, these people who supposedly have already researched the case mm-hmm. and come to the conclusion that there isn't enough evidence, Justin's need didn't know where Vantrees kept any of the money. 
Exactly. exactly. And I mean no disrespect to Mr. Van Trees, but sometimes it's difficult to say a full name. Right. So, and I don't want to call him Barry because he was a, a gentleman. Um, so I'm, I'm trying, but yeah, I mean, he didn't know where, he didn't know where the money was. Oh, right. There's only one person who did. And that was Glossop. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, just really the way that he operated in getting Justin to kill Barry Van Trees is it, all of the behaviors are the exact same behaviors that he's been doing in trying to manipulate people behind bars. Mm -hmm. He's the same guy. I mean, that's how he rolls. And, and when it doesn't go his way, he just tries to lie his way out of it and then, you know, get new people on board to support him. And, um, you know, it's really hard to imagine that the likes of State Representative Humphrey, who's former Department of Corrections and Law Enforcement, be, you know, snowballed by Glossop. But I mean, it's really hard for me to imagine that he just is intentionally arguing for this guy's innocence if he knows he's guilty but i think they're all i i don't know what's going on with them but um it's bad and you know for them to say you know sneed's the only evidence they have against glossop that's not true there were mm -hmm. several things they said in that conference presser yesterday that were just patently false correct i mean they had more than just Justin Sneed. In fact, the juror, they played a tape. Somebody played a tape earlier today from a juror and who made it pretty clear. And this was a juror from the second trial that, um, you know, they were aware that, you know, Justin Sneed was involved. They were aware, you know, that he was pointing the finger at Glossop. Mm -hmm. But his point was, is that, all of the other things that were presented to them, it matched what Justin's, it matched Justin Sneed's story. Correct. And that Glossop story was ridiculous. Correct. I watched the documentary Killing Glossop or Killing Richard Glossop, whatever it was called. And I remember watching him and in his interviews in this documentary. And you could see how manipulative he was. Mm -hmm. And then when he comes up with the stories of, well, why he had the money and, you know, this and that, the, the motel and how, what, what a good job he was doing. I, I had this image of Richard Glossop as a child. The dog probably ate his homework every week. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah when somebody didn't buy that excuse then something was wrong with that yeah because he's like a narcissist sociopath mm -hmm. so um yeah. but there are so many facts that uh that they didn't talk about um right. keeping people away yeah uh yeah in fact, most of the evidence against him at trial actually came from Billy Cooper, Cliff Everhart, mm -hmm. um, the manager of the Tulsa Motel. I think his name was Bender. Because mm -hmm. um, these were all people that Barry Ventrice had made statements to that uh, led to the, to the inference that bad things were about to happen to Mr. Glossop if he uh 
if he did not come up with receipts and money that yeah. Barry Van Trees was missing. Right. Uh, and I want to talk about another thing that one of the comments, well, he was fixing the motel up. You don't do that if you're going to kill somebody. He wasn't fixing it up. He was taking money to mm-hmm. get supplies and materials. He wasn't doing jack shit. Mm-hmm. And then no supplies or materials were ever on the property. Right. The only supplies and materials that were bought for the hotel were bought for the room that Mr. Van Trees was murdered in. Correct. And they were bought to cover it up. Correct. As far as everyone else knew prior to that, um, Glossop wasn't doing anything to fix up that hotel. It was going to shit because of him, because he wasn't running it rightly. And frankly, it's it, it's really stupefying to hear somebody use that in a public presser that somebody who is a killer wouldn't be fixing up a hotel Mm -hmm. i mean to that my response would be just about most of the serial killers that have ever been caught (laughs) btk you know the other guy uh, ted bundy these Mm -hmm. were otherwise respectable upstanding employed intelligent people who most people would have never suspected they were serial killers. And so, and so it's really, it's patronizing and it's really idiotic for that attorney who, by the way, is, is not a non-biased attorney. Their firm works with the innocent project. There's Mm -hmm. another blatant lie that came out of that presser. So it's just stupid and idiotic for that, for him to have said what he said and probably I, I, ha- I can't let this go without saying that, you know, Amy asked a great question about, well, since you're going to be doing all this, you know, she said, have any of you contacted the victim's family? Well, I'm, none of them had, and none of them really had an answer. Um, I think Mr. Mize said he hadn't, but, you know, he's got time if they want to stop by. But I was very disappointed in, representative Humphrey's answer and to the extent that I sent him you know a respectful message later yesterday evening he said I haven't and then he said but I've spoke to the victims the Julius Jones family Mm -hmm. like they were victims I mean Julius Jones is a convicted murderer who murdered Paul Howell Paul Howell is a victim Correct. And I I could not believe my ears. I mean, there's still, you know, there's that part of me and I work in public safety. So I'm around law enforcement all the time. And it was so hard for me to hear a state representative actually not have his story straight and refer to a convicted murderer's family as victims Mm -hmm. that he met with. I mean, he used to be law enforcement himself. I just thought, you know, and so I, you know, we've called for him and we respectfully um, sent him a message and pointed that out. And, and we've asked him to make a correction there and apologize to the Howell family for making that statement. I mean, he made Mm -hmm. it publicly. That's terrible. It's a terrible thing to say for a state representative. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. I mean, I don't feel safe and warm and toasty with that guy as a state rep. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I mean, if I lived in his district, I would be on the phone saying, how do I sleep at night knowing you're the guy who is a gatekeeper to whether killers go free or not? And not only are you the guy with the key, you're trying to let him out. Mm -hmm. And Mr. McDougal is doing the same thing. Yeah. And uh, Glossop is the wrong dog to back, the wrong horse to back. I mean, I realize that every person on death row says they're innocent. I mean, it's a given. <laughs> I mean, obviously, right. it's a given that they're going to say and claim they're innocent. It is a given that their appellate attorneys are going to say, well, we have new evidence. We have a jailhouse snitch who mm -hmm. said such and such. I mean, it's the same playbook. And, and here's what the public really needs to get their ears and their minds toward is that this is what they say in every, for every death penalty client that these appellate attorneys have, they say the same thing. Mm -hmm. They, but they never have new evidence. They never have evidence that lets them off the hook. Right. And most of the time, I mean, nine times out of 10, 10 out of 10, what these quote new witnesses are saying isn't corroborated. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, and they presume, I think the problem is, is that the innocence fraud presents these witnesses as absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt telling the truth. Right. When, in fact, they could just be shining on people to get attention, to tell a story because they hate the alternate suspect. I mean, that's in the Rodney Reed case. I think that's the motive for. 35 or 40% of the witnesses against Jimmy Finnell. They just hate him. Right. And they want to see him squirm. Right. And so they're going to say what Rodney Reed's attorneys want to hear. Um, and in, in the Glossop case, no, there's going to be no physical evidence of him committing the murder because we know he didn't commit the murder. Nobody right. says he committed the murder. You know, my biggest... Um... You know, you know, people that um, actually read case files, myself being one of them, you know, I, I, the whole thing about, well, Justin Sneed, he was just a drug addict, you know, the narrative that Justin was kind of under Richard's thumb and Richard was, you know, the, you know, do this, the do that. That narrative actually fits because when you read the transcripts and the facts of the case, when, when it was over, there was a point where um, Richard tells Justin, he's like, you got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And Justin doesn't go and run to somebody's he has nowhere to go he literally walks or runs or whatever and he goes and he gets up under a bridge to wait it out 
-hmm. Now, if he was some lion scheming uh, meth head who was in control all the way, he wouldn't have just gone off up under a bridge. Right. I mean, he went up under there because he didn't, he didn't have anywhere to go. He had been reliant upon Glossop for a long time and he didn't. Where else would he go? Yeah. And Glossop cut him loose. So he, he did the only thing that he could figure out, which is go hide under a bridge. And as I recall, another claim they made is Justin Sneed, the, you know, the police kind of forced Justin Sneed to point the finger at Richard Glossop. But as I recall, Sneed wasn't caught for a week. Right. And the police were wise to Glossop because of the 17 hours that he hid Barry right. Ventrice's body and lied about right. Barry Ventrice's whereabouts. Right. And but they didn't have any evidence to hold him. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were on to him before they even found Justin Sneed. Right. So how can Justin Steed be the one that, you know, that ties him up? He was already tied up. They knew he was lying through his teeth. And exactly. I remember watching his interviews and reading the transcripts. And it's like, he's like, okay, now I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. After they bust him. Well, now I'm going to tell you the truth. And then it's another dog ate my homework story. Yeah. And the cops are like, Richard come on dude we don't believe you we know you're lying mm -hmm. yes yeah. so um and i don't think that that mcdougall or any of these legislators opinion mm -hmm. should take the place of the court proceedings right and yeah you know mcdougall comes out of the gun straight out of the gate out of the gun and that presser and says you know, what happens if we have an, an, a person who is truly innocent on death row? We don't have a mechanism. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. We had several mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And that guy got two trials and all kinds of appeals. And appellate attorneys, he got every kind of legal ease and help afforded a person right. who's in the clink for murder and it's just like julius jones the reason why nobody has overturned anything for you is because nothing exists to prove that you are innocent mm -hmm. if it were there if there was something there at least in in terms of appellate procedure stuff that's why they get so many appeals correct and there's so many ways that they can get a new hearing on on this or that and and the reason why it hasn't happened is because somebody ha he has pulled all those mechanisms and they haven't worked because he's guilty mm -hmm. there is no proof well, there is no new evidence to establish that he's innocent they and and they haven't worked because what he's bringing up is not material to the right. question of his innocence or guilt right if uh, you they, can't, yeah if you can't corroborate um, John Doe jailhouse snitches statement mm -hmm. 10 years later, you know, Sneed told me something over mashed potatoes at dinner time. Yeah. You know, if you, I mean, if you can't corroborate it. Well, I mean, the, it, it goes beyond that, Jennifer. 
if Justin Sneed is not willing to come into court and swear that he lied at trial and he lied to the cops and, and that Richard Glossop had absolutely nothing to do with Barry Ventries' murder, then it doesn't matter how many people they come up with that say, Justin Sneed told me he did it all himself. Justin Sneed told me he framed Glossop. It doesn't matter how many people they come up with. Right. As long as Justin Sneed is around, then mm -hmm. he's got to testify. And that's the only way it's going to be undone. Right. And that's, and that's, that's what John, that's what Don Knight came up against. Yeah. Uh, in 2015. Right. I mean, and, yeah, Don Knight, he's come forward. He's tried to use the public and the media, what, three or four times mm -hmm. over the last 10 years or whatever. I've got new evidence. I've got new evidence. And he never has anything new. There's never yeah. anything new under the sun. And I'll go a step further. He at one point had something that wasn't even real. He had, quote, Justine Sneed. Yeah. yeah. Saying her yeah. father, yeah. Justin, told yeah. her that he yeah. set all this up. And they could not find a person by the name of Justine Sneed. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think that's another interesting thing, too, is at this press conference, they put out a lot of court of public opinion, sound good sound bites. Right. But they didn't have any real substance. Nothing. They offered nothing substantive at all. And when Amy asked questions and another uh, reporter asked very specific hard questions they didn't have an answer for them mm -hmm. they really couldn't answer they had to either backpedal or they you could tell and everybody could tell because social media has been talking about it today how their presser failed and the point when she started asking questions everybody was like you should see their body language yeah i mean and so i mean you know, beyond Glossop, with this presser and McDougal and the same handful of Republican state representatives, what is disturbing is that McDougal wants to reintroduce or he has reintroduced. See, I don't really think this is really that much about Glossop. I think the presser and he's just using the Glossop case to try to get his conviction integrity unit pushed through. And if that isn't the most ridiculous thing for a Republican representative to introduce, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I mean, a conviction integrity unit that he wants to be, he wants run through our, our defunct, so to speak, pardon and parole board those people he wants them to run it oh no 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 <laughs> and here's the real bottom line and here's what's so stupid about it let's just say you get your conviction integrity unit so what let's just say they decide somebody might be innocent and shouldn't be on death row and that's what their report says and then so the pardon parole board says okay this is what our independent people say 
so what? There mm -hmm. is no lever that you'll be able to pull with that legally to use it at all. It's stupid. You can't use that. Right. If, if all of your appeals are over, there's no thing that you can say to a court or an appellate. There's no procedure when all of the appellate procedures are said and done that says, oh, but we will allow a report by a conviction integrity unit run by a pardon and parole board that's anti-death penalty to give their opinion. And then we might give a hearing. There just, there's no mechanism for it. And amen and thank God for another state rep by the last name of Pfeiffer who introduced a bill and it's already going through its process where, I mean, you can tell that he's clearly trying to put the brakes on what goes through the pardon mm -hmm. and parole and it's HB 3903. And it basically shuts down that whole thing that they did with Julius Jones, where they changed the rules so he could get another hearing. Right. You know, and I'm so glad that he did. I mean, having a conviction integrity unit is like, is like flipping the bird to our justice system. Mm -hmm. A guy like Mr. McDougal, who served his country, he took an oath to protect our country. And he took a, the Constitution. He took, yeah, yeah. And now I don't know why you're doing it because conviction integrity units are, are primarily, they primarily come out of the, the defund policing um, anti-prison ideologues. And so why is this guy doing that? I mean, it's like, why are you jeopardizing public safety? is it money is there money coming from somewhere i, I don't mm -hmm. know but but as an oklahoman i mean it terrifies me that you know it makes these guys more dangerous than glossop i mean glossop's in the clink you know he can terrify people through through word and letters but but these are legislators these are lawmakers in my state and they're they are jimmying with public safety Mm -hmm. They're looking at their neighbor and they're saying, you know what? I want this conviction integrity unit. And I hope this guy Glossop, who's a killer, I don't mind if he lives next door. Hope you don't mind either. Yeah. Well, I think they've convinced themselves, but they're only looking at one side. Not one of them bothered to read a single appellate opinion. Well, clearly not. You know, because that the Glossop, the 2007 court of criminal appeals opinion that lays out all the evidence and mm -hmm. contrary to their claims it is quite strong it's very strong um and like you know as you pointed out with one of the jurors saying it wasn't so much what justin sneed said it was what richard glossop said and the fact that none of it made any sense i mean they the jury did their job the totality that guy was he was dead on the totality of the evidence presented to them matched Justin's need story. Mm -hmm. It was real simple. And so they yeah. looked at the two juries. I mean, so the second jury, so we'll just say the second jury, mm -hmm. they looked at the totality of the evidence. Right. And, and they, I'm they weighed in and their verdict was guilty and their, 
And you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, they don't think he should get the death penalty because he didn't actually do the deed. But you know, you have to be pretty manipulative, narcissistic kind of person to be able to convince someone else to do that. Correct. And that's, that's pretty sick. And then to help them try to cover it up while the body's laying there on the floor and then right. to keep police from coming anywhere near the body for right. 17 hours afterwards. Right. Um, and, and, and really there's this little, there is this there you, we, and we also have this, this, this smidge of conscience that comes out of Justin Sneed because Glossop tells them to go and get some supplies so they can fix the window mm-hmm. and cover it up. And, and, and he tells them to get. Muriatic acid. Yeah. Yeah. He tells them to get everything so they can dispose of the body as mm-hmm. well. And that's, that's the one thing that Justin Sneed didn't get. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, if he was really on board for what was happening, he would have gotten that too. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Well, and I think if Justin Sneed had really done it all on his own, yeah, he would have, you know, he would have taken the two thousand dollars out the car and and be bopped away from the from the motel. I mean, I've been, I've worked in the drug and alcohol business, I've counseled addicts and alcoholics, and you know, there's something unique about meth heads, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna tell you. If you tell a meth head where, where a bunch of money is, they're not going to bring any of it back and split it with you. Uh-huh. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. Forget it. It's on. I'm taking it all and I'm gone. I'm going to go get as much meth or drugs as I can. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. And uh, another thing they bring up is the, the, the financial documents that were presented to the jury that, when you really look at those documents, it doesn't show any embezzlement. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll go there, but you know what? Barry Van Trees and his wife believed that Richard Glossop was embezzling. Mm-hmm. Cliff Everhart believed that Richard Glossop was embezzling. Right. And told Barry Van Trees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it doesn't matter whether the accounting backs that up and this is a cash business uh apparently as i understand it glossop was renting rooms out under the table yes and collecting the money paid right he was letting people use the rooms Uh and not pay and i believe his first attorney who is a big idiot Uh um has said he was letting his brother deal drugs right on the property well guess what that's a big old crime dude right (laughs) i mean if the the tulsa or oklahoma city police had busted richard glossop's ass would have been going to jail yeah unless well of course he pretended like i didn't know bobby was doing that yeah um and it's also interesting that you know the people that don knight finds that really, really helped Richard Glossop, they all did. Say that again. The people that, all, he, that, that he finds, like Bobby Glossop. He oh, could okay. tell, well, no, Bobby Glossop's dead. Oh, yeah. If ever hard. Yeah, yeah. We have proof oh, but that dead. person's unavailable now. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, um, I don't know how, Cl- you know, the, are you, if you're talking about Cliff Everhart, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know how that's helpful to Glossop because I, I he told Everhart he was selling his things to skip town. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, it, the other the other stupid post-conviction attorney trick is well, everybody's lying but my guy right oh, so yeah. everybody who testified against him at trial justin sneed cliff everhart billy hooper mm-hmm. william yeah. bender all those people donna vantries everybody was lying on poor old little richard glossop mm-hmm. and um poor little richard glossop well, if Richard Glossop, wow. if there was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and frankly, in I think in the second trial, if, and this is the same thing like Julius Jones, that, you know, uh, the appellate attorneys try to say, well, the previous attorneys didn't put any witnesses on, you know, they didn't do their job. They didn't call anybody to testify for my guy. Well, as I understand it, the second, in the second trial, um Glossop's attorney he couldn't find a single witness to support Richard Mm. and it was like I think it was something like for every person he found that had something good to say about Glossop those same people though they had bad things to say that implicated him correct so as an attorney as a defense attorney are you going to put that guy on the stand for your client Mm mm-hmm and the, the whole thing about the financial documents, they could have done, they could have looked at that. They could have done that at trial. Right. Uh, right. Just be, just because a post-conviction attorney just thought of it yeah. doesn't make it new. Exactly. But again, exactly. I don't think an analysis of the, those documents and finding Donna Vantrese and Barry Vantrese's uh, belief may have been an error changes the fact that that's what they believed and they were very ventures was more likely than not going to act on that belief yes right i mean if i were i mean i had thought of you 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 know i remember when i first learned about this case and then back in 2015 i thought well gosh if if glossop wasn't embezzling money or getting money under the table i thought if I were an attorney and I were representing him, that would be one of the first things I would pull out and put in court. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't prove anything, you might get one person to think, to be stupid enough to think, well, yeah, if there's no, if you can't prove embezzlement on paper, then he's obviously innocent. But I mean, I just don't, all of these things in these different cases that are you know, the innocence fraud scheme is, it has permeated our state mm-hmm. in a way that it's just, it's mind numbing and it is infuriating. And, uh, you know, I, I think that people, the public, you know, they've had this idea about the Innocence Project being this this very noble cause. But, you know, thanks to people like you and, and Roberta and Martin and Dudley, you, I mean, you guys have been looking at all this for decades. 
Um, it's not a noble thing they're doing. They are not, it is not a cause to get factually innocent people out of prison. Mm -hmm. That isn't what they're doing. And the public needs to understand that. And, you know, the, the starting point, if you really want to learn what the Innocent Project does, um, look at the case of Anthony Porter yeah. in Chicago. Look what reporters, pseudo reporters, um, Innocence Project group under some professor, look at what they did. They David put, protests. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh. Look at and, the ca case of the guy in, was it North Carolina? His last name, Taylor. I think that was his last name. I don't recall. It's the same thing. And, and there was another guy who's a forensic scientist named uh, John Collins, I think is his name. Back in 2010, you know, he came out with the Forensic Science Association people with this thing called the Innocence Audit. And he had noticed that these Innocence Project clinics were going after forensic science. And, you know, he thought that was not so good. But, you know, he predicted back then that the not so noble aims of you know, innocence advocates mm -hmm. were someday going to clash with, you know, releasing, actually releasing people from prison who are truly guilty. And that has already happened now. I mean, that's like prediction come true. It happened in Oklahoma. Lawrence Anderson got let out by a pardon and parole board that should have never been appointed to that position and he murdered three people and ate them yeah i mean so we have a very we have a serious public safety crisis that is being perpetuated by state representatives and it's being perpetuated by black activists and the public has got to start doing their homework. Otherwise, the likes of Julius Jones or Richard, Richard Glossop could end up next door. Mm -hmm. And those guys don't change. So that's just, you know, that's where I'm at. It's really, it's really freaky, scary to me. And, and if, if state reps Humphrey and McDougal and, Mize and, and Cowboy Stevens, you know, if you're going to keep taking this track, compromising public safety without any evidence that we mm -hmm. should be even be doing this, right? Then you need to be voted out. With all due respect, bye bye. It's time for a new vocation, and the people in their district need to know. And they need to vote them out. Exactly. I, and the I totally agree. And the Republican Party, because these guys are with the Republican Party, our local state party needs to put their thumb on their necks and say, look, 
this is not right. We cannot compromise the safety of, of our family and our friends and our neighbors mm-hmm. for an initiative that has zero merit. It has zero right. merit. And if you're going to do that, do it on a, on a case where there is evidence. What you're talking about is not, what they are talking about is not evidence. Right. Right. I mean, we had two guys, my best example, at least for Oklahoma, is that we had two guys in in Tulsa that were uh, brothers who were, there were a couple of drive-by shootings and um, they were, they were wrongfully convicted and there was no press and public hoopla. Mm -hmm. They just happened to have a couple of local attorneys just happened to kind of think, you know what, something isn't right. And once they looked into it um, and, you know, they, they got the wheels rolling for these guys and um, Malcolm Scott was one of their names. Anyway, there wasn't a lot of hoopla. There wasn't a PR. There weren't protests at the governor's door or anything. They used the appellate process. They found the evidence you know, or whatever it was that they needed. Mm -hmm. And, and him and his brother were declared innocent and set free. And that was absolutely, that is the justice system doing its job. And that is, and that is proof that the system does work. You just, you have to have the actual evidence. You can't have, well, I don't think he would have had to kill for that money. Well, that's not evidence, sweetie. That's That's not your opinion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he was he was fixing up the motel. Well, no, he really wasn't. But uh, that's your opinion. Right. I mean, that's a great way to put it is 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 the people that who are actually buying this bullshit. Need to ask themselves, Okay, could I walk into a court of law and say, well. He didn't have to do that. To commit that you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. you have to sort of stop read this stuff and ask yourself you know could i walk into a court of law and prove it kind of thing and so could i walk into could you me anybody mcdougall walk into a court of law and say to a judge i think that mr glossop needs a new trial because he didn't have to kill Barry Sneed. What is a judge going to mm. say to him? You're not a lawyer. Get the fuck out of here. Right. I mean, right. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Mr. Knight, you know, judge, we have a, we have an affidavit from uh, the, what is it? Bobby Glossop, you know, Bobby Glossop once said this is Mr. Glossop here. No, he's deceased. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We have this letter from Justine Sneed. Right. Well, where is Miss Sneed? Yeah. She doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's just really, it's insulting to me as an Oklahoma voter and it's insulting to a lot of people. I mean, it, it, it's insulting to me as a person who has been around attorneys mm-hmm. all of her life because her mother was a paralegal legal secretary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And to see attorneys like the one at the press conference who is buying into all this crap and you should know better. Well, no, they do know better. It's just that <laughs> that law firm is attached to the Innocence, the Innocence Project. Project. Right. And, well, the and that's another Project thing. The is blatant, about money. <laughs> the, the blatant misrepresentation of this is being, quote, independent. It's not. It's Innocence Project. So right. not only is it not independent, but it's going to be looking at this case through a prism of what gives the appearance of innocence. That's right. what we're going to focus on. And we're, we're going to dismiss what was established at trial mm -hmm. about Mr. Glossop's words and actions at the time of the murder, because those don't help us. And those don't present a picture of innocence. I, I looked tonight, I had a great outline that I had done when I talked about the Glossop case. And I took all the circumstances all the circumstantial evidence and mm -hmm. listed it. Yeah. And it was like 12 to 15 different circumstances mm -hmm. yeah. that involved only Richard Glossop. Right. I know. No matter how you twist it, he's <laughs> it, the guy. Yeah. I mean, and he had the most to gain because at one point, I recall, he told Sneed that when he killed Van Treese, mm -hmm. Richard Glossop would get to run the hotel and then they right. could do whatever they wanted. Right. Yeah. And again, it doesn't matter whether that would have actually happened. He believed yeah. that that's what would happen. Oh, yeah. If Sneed's a meth head and you tell him that, mm -hmm. if we're going to have free reign up in here, oh, great. I'm on board. I think Glossop believed it because I think Glossop believed he could manipulate Donna Van Treese. Yeah. Into yeah. letting him run the motel. Yeah. Of course, his he envisioned it being uh, somebody killed Barry. I didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, my God, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll run the motel for you. Yeah. It, yeah. And you know what? If, if Mr. Glossop was such a Boy Scout. And, okay, first of all, if I'm a guy and somebody like Mr. Van Trees brings me in to run his hotel and, you know, gives me some latitude to sort of take some initiative and do some different things, A, I'm going to be pretty grateful for it. And I'm definitely not going to want anything to happen, you know, where I'm not going to be in that position anymore. And so... If, if, if Glossop is really the Boy Scout that um, they said in the presser, you know, they kind of claimed he is like, you know, he'd never even gotten so much as a parking ticket, which was a lie, by the way. Right. Because um, you, you, you don't yeah. lose. You. Well, he probably yeah. didn't get any parking tickets, but he had a lot of uh, other violations that led to him losing his license. Right. And, and, you know, his past does indicate that he's a manipulator. He does have a, he does have a past for harassing people. And, and so that's a, that denotes being a manipulator. But if, you know, if he really was a Boy Scout, um, and didn't have anything to do whatsoever with Barry's murder, 
he would have been there and he would have been batshit crazy trying to help the police figure out who just took away my meal ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead, he and Deanna and, and Cliff yeah. Everhart are going and looking. He's, you know, driving around looking in dumpsters and fields. Mm -hmm. The, yeah. it's kind of akin to stealing somebody's wallet helping and then them look for it. helping them look for it. I know. I know. And telling them it's just lost and we'll find it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean it, yeah. If you have any humanity in you whatsoever, um, it, it, you're not going to lie to police. I mean, you're 17, not, I mean, 17 I hours. 17 hours it's not like you know an hour or two into this mm -mm. he gets justin sneed gone and then he mm -mm. goes to room 102 like oh my god i can't believe it not even that i mean it's like 17 hours and it was everhart and one of the police searching who said this guy's full of shit and they went to room 102 because they knew that was Barry Ventries's room. And that's mm -hmm. when they found the body. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's not even a good liar. No, he's not. So. But he's apparently a good manipulator. Yes. He's a very good manipulator. And so, you know, here we sit as an Oklahoman, as an Oklahoman voter, here I sit having to listen to the state reps just spew these lies they are absolute what they said in that presser short of their names and what time mm -hmm. of day it is and i think we're going to close it out everything else was patently false correct and as an oklahoma voter i'm sitting here thinking what in the f are you guys trying to do and i mean i forgot where I was going with that I mean it's just infuriating because they're playing with people's lives and Richard Glossop is not the guy just like um you know the black community black activists tried to make Julius Jones into a civil rights thing mm -hmm. you know he isn't this that was not a civil rights case yeah. Um, Richard Glossop is not the guy who's innocent that's going to end up being executed. He's not innocent. And right. I I don't appreciate our state reps for whatever reason they're doing what they're doing, playing with our lives in that way, playing with Oklahomans' lives in that way. Um I'm playing and, with the lives of the Van Trees family. Right. That's where I was going. I mean, you know, because those people, yeah, on that end of the spectrum, the victims on that end of the, of the spectrum, I mean, they are terrified mm -hmm. to speak out. They've all, you know, they've been threatened for so many years. And that was so great that. Amy showed up at that presser. She had that. She had a letter in hand mm -hmm. with a date and a timestamp. I mean, she had it there, and I mean, he. There must be something that we still have yet to see about Richard Glossop in terms of the kind of 
sociopath that he is for them to be still that terrified of him even though they know he's in the clink and he can't hurt them Mm -hmm. and yet they are and they're the victims i mean what these guys are doing mcdougall uh, mr humphrey stevens and mize they are spitting in the faces of the victims and it's wrong it's so wrong and then it was also just obscenely wrong for mr humphrey to refer to Julius Jones family as victims. Yeah. I know that that was that was very ridiculous. Um it, it was insulting. Yeah. Very insulting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if that were your mom or your daddy, your brother. I mean, imagine if you're the Howell family and you happen to catch that presser yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's why we sent that letter, uh, that note to Mr. Humphrey, to give him an opportunity to make that correction. And, and, you know, that's all you got to do. You know, oops, I, I made a mistake. I truly apologize. If you have victims rights in mind, Mm -hmm. you would make that correction. And he hasn't, we haven't heard that correction yet. Yeah. And every day that goes by that he doesn't make it, is a letter I'm going to be sending to somebody in his district about what he's doing and jeopardizing their safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we did with Julius Jones. That's what we were doing and are doing with Lawrence Anderson. Any of these folks who should have either never been allowed out of prison, need to stay in the clink. They truly are guilty. Anybody who's arguing on their behalf that they're innocent or to let them out. I mean, we're sending letters everywhere that we can send them so that people understand that what their state reps are doing is wrong. Right. I mean, the only person so far, and it should be noted at, at the state rep level, the only person so far that has stepped forward and said no more is Mr. Pfeiffer mm-hmm. with a, with a bill to prevent the pardon and parole board from running amok like they did with Julius Jones. Right. I mean, we came, we came within, a, I'm sorry to put it this way. We came within a pubic hair's width of having a killer released on the streets. Right. Not only that, but potentially the, the thing that, that uh concerns me as well is potentially released and painted as exonerated and then thinking they can do no wrong and thinking they can get away because if they get caught again they just have to scream racism frame police out to get me yeah and you know what, going to this factual innocence thing, one of the appeals in the appeal documents in the Glossop case somewhere, somebody argues at best that Glossop is tied to the murder. They called it accessory after the fact. Mm-hmm. Well, then you did it. I mean, if you're tied to the murder, you're tied to the murder. You're well, not you're not innocent. You're not factually innocent. I think at the, if I recall correctly, and I could be incorrect because I didn't think Snead testified and that was wrong. Um, but 
his attorneys at the second trial said at most the only thing he's guilty of mm-hmm. is accessory after the fact because he knew Sneed had killed Vantrese mm-hmm. and he knew Vantrese's body was in room 102, but he tried to cover it up. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem with that is admitting even that much mm-hmm. still comes under the heading of murder for hire. Right. Because a person who commits murder for hire is going to do the same things. Exactly. Exactly. So. People who are innocent don't cover up murder. Correct. And especially of their boss. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah. And people who are state reps in the state of Oklahoma who were elected to serve and who genuinely, honestly support victims' rights, support protecting victims, support protecting the public from these criminals, do not do what those state reps did yesterday by having that presser. They don't. You won't get any argument on that from me. The public in Oklahoma definitely uh, needs to really um, start opening their eyes and listening because you're not going to get the truth from our local media Mm -hmm. because most of them have turned into journalists slash activists. Well, I, I think my observation over the last seven to 10 years there is no more true journalism no there isn't it's entirely advocacy for either either side um nobody is giving you all the facts and letting you form your own opinions everybody is giving you the facts that they want to give you so that you agree with them right it's all about spin and if you don't agree with them Mm -hmm. you're horrible Right. Because it's us against them now. Right. Instead of saying, you know, well, let's let's discuss and debate Mm -hmm. and maybe compromise on both sides. Right. Um, No. Yeah. Us against them. Advocacy. No journalism. Right. At all. It's advocacy. And it's spinning the facts to give the impression that you want to give. Right. And on, on to your point about us against them, I can think of no worse of a feeling than being the family of Mr. Ventries to being mm-hmm. the victim's family and the victims of this crime, the living surviving victims of Richard Glossop because of these state reps, because of media activists, because of the innocence fraud perpetrators, they they feel like it's us against them only, you know, the David Goliath, I think Rachel Howell referred to it this way, mm-hmm. the David and Goliath thing. And, and they feel, the victims feel isolated. They do not feel like they have a voice. You know, they are fearful and they're having to relive this trauma day after day after day. And yesterday, what those state reps did in that presser is they totally forced the victim's family to relive the trauma of Mr. of their 
their dad, uncle, you know, brother, grandpa, you know, whoever, whoever Mr. Van Treese was to that, to his family, mm-hmm. um, Mr. McDougal, Mr. Humphreys, Mr. Stevens, Mr. Mize, those state reps forced the Van Treese family to relive this trauma in the worst way. And that worst way being that Richard did it and they were just lying through their teeth in what they said. Mm -hmm. And that's just terrible. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's just like, it's so blasphemous and heretical at a moral level to do that to a victim's family. And I can't imagine how they feel, but that's why Amy and I, you know, you and and Roberta, you know, and uh, Martin Dudley, I mean, you guys have really inspired Amy and I to, to speak out because I mean, it's, we're ground zero in Oklahoma death penalty. Mm -hmm. Well, good. We, we have to, somebody has got, I mean, they do get, you know, the victims do get um, support and services through the AG's office. They get fantastic resources and services and support in that way. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of the public narrative, um, Amy and I are there to make sure or do everything we can to make sure that they feel heard in that public narrative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's some, that's the, the most we can do. Right. Um, whether it changes anything, although I've had people say, you know, after hearing the alternate or additional facts, they're not so sure that somebody is innocent anymore. Right. Um, but you have to have somebody that's willing to change their mind and listen to the facts and not just dismiss everything. And I think that's the problem with McDougal and Mize and, and these other people uh, up to and including the lawyer is that they're going to dismiss anything that doesn't look good for Richard Glossop. Right. Well, and they're going to dismiss anything McDougal for sure that doesn't help him get his, um, super far left conviction <laughs> integrity unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that that uh, the executive branch and the le- legislative branch have no business monkeying around with the judicial branch's job. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, so if you right. want to convince you want a conviction integrity unit, fine. Mm-hmm. Put it at the OAG's office right. and it's done by lawyers mm-hmm. and they look at both sides. Yeah. But see, the problem with that is that 90% of the, of their information and their evidence mm-hmm. isn't material. Exactly. You can't do anything with it. Or as the title of this episode is new lawyers, same claims. <laughs> it's been presented and it it didn't work the first time it's not going to work again now uh it didn't work for don knight in 2015 right because a lot of these things are the are the things that don knight has raised 
Right. And, and it's, yeah, there, it's not material and it's, it doesn't really, it doesn't prove Richard Glossop is actually innocent. Yeah. It doesn't prove that he was not involved in the crime. Exactly. And yeah. In fact, and, and, and this is another problem too. What if we execute somebody and we find out later that they were innocent? Well, if it goes 24 years and it's been through the courts mm -hmm. and it's been through direct appeal, state post-conviction, federal habeas corpus, mm -hmm. federal appeals, mm -hmm. writ application to the U.S. Supreme Court and U.S. Supreme Court says, no, thank you. And then it goes through a second attempt at state post-conviction. Mm -hmm. They're not innocent. Right. I mean, if and I hate to use this analogy, but if there's been no evidence that Bigfoot exists by now, it's because Bigfoot doesn't exist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a terrible way to say it, but you're right. I mean, there are, and this is where Dudley, Dudley Sharp is great with this information. I mean, there, you know, the Innocence Project people um, tried, they like to tout their numbers of, look at how many people have been exonerated. You know, like we have this big exoneration list. No, actually the percentile of people who have been released from prison that were on death row, the majority of them did not get released because they were factually innocent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, DNA, that was another thing that we, um, that I looked at years and years and years ago, DNA exonerations in that 130, whatever mm -hmm. number it is, DNA exonerations are a very small percentage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the majority of them were not death penalty cases. Right. Right. And every single, I mean, that proves the system as it is set up works those people had DNA evidence that was irrefutable that mm -hmm. proved that they were innocent. Right. The system worked exactly as it was supposed to. And in some cases, when the DNA evidence came out, it was the prosecution that moved. Right. Stephen Avery in Wisconsin, his, you know, when he was exonerated by DNA from that first rape conviction, mm -hmm. it was the prosecution that yeah. moved mountains to get him released immediately without oh. going through court proceedings. Right. So, um, you know, but yeah, death, it's not a lot of death penalty cases. And in Richard Glossop's case, we're never going to have physical evidence that exonerates Richard Glossop because there is no physical evidence right. that could exonerate Richard Glossop. Right. And the stuff that, that, that they continue, and it's the same thing with Julius Jones, the appellate attorneys like to say to the press so that the press will report it, new evidence, we have new evidence that we can present. No, technically you don't have evidence. Nobody's deemed it evidence. Right. You have hearsay or you just have bullshit. And right. that's all it is until a court of law deems it evidence. Mm -hmm. It's not evidence at all. Yeah. And you're right. There is no evidence that exists to prove that Glossop is innocent of the crime. He was involved 
he was the planner. He was the master planner of the deal. I mean, he is guilty. If I sat on the jury, I read all the documents and case files and appellate stuff. Mm -hmm. If I sat on that jury, I would find him guilty. Correct. And I, I don't think that these, I mean, McDougal has no legal background. I don't think that these representatives should be placing themselves in a superior position to the jury. Right. And if you're going to, if you're going to form an opinion, look at everything. Don't look at what you want to look at and don't, right. don't talk to Richard fucking Glossop. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, don't talk. Fine. Don't talk to the Van Treeses. Don't talk to Richard Glossop. Don't talk to Prater. Right. right. Look at the appellate opinions mm -hmm. because exactly. they are the closest thing to a neutral mm -hmm. yep. view of yep. the case and the evidence and look at all of them. Right. I mean, to me, um, when I think of a conviction integrity unit that is that excludes, for example, our Oklahoma Attorney General, and and to use another example, excludes Oklahoma City DA mm -hmm. Prater. That to me is just asinine because I've I've yet to. Um, Mr. Prater's a bulldog. Right. I mean, if if you're if you if he's got the goods on you, and he's got them, you're going to go down if he's got the evidence. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the kind of DA you want. So why would you want to try to sidestep him? Why would you want to try to sidestep our attorney general's office? It's packed full of attorneys who have the skills and the wherewithal. Mm -hmm. to know how these things work and then prosecute or not prosecute these cases. It's just ridiculous. Right. I mean, that's another thing that surprises me about this is why are we wanting to traumatize the victims continually? Why are we, why are we trying to do this goes to the, the, the defund police ideologues. Mm -hmm. And the Innocence Project is part of this. They want to destroy the system and redo it the way that they want it. And this is something I read also in, in Martin's stuff. You know, this is part of, of breaking down that system and destroying it. And right. it's so hard for me to listen to Republican representatives in our very red state engage in those kinds of initiatives. Maybe I, I don't know. Am I, it's like, am I dreaming? Am I, these guys are red shirts and they're participating in stuff that normally you don't see red shirts doing. I mean, there's, right. there's, I mean, we're talking about the law and the constitution and, and, and protecting people and keeping them safe there's some base level stuff here that they're ignoring and it i it i don't understand that part at all i mean there are faith leaders that are that are supporting these guys and what those faith leaders in oklahoma need to know that is when you're supporting a candidate like 
Humphrey or McDougall who's doing what they're doing now, you're supporting them re-traumatizing the Van Trees family and friends. You're supporting the convicted killer. You're supporting his, his um, deeds in the clink when he is threatening um, people, former, you know, people yeah. in the Van Trees family. You're supporting people who are lying for Julius Jones. Yeah. But I, they don't care. I think that's the saddest part is they do not care. Who doesn't care? All of them? I, I mean, am I just naive? That's They don't. Wow. I mean, I was involved in the West Memphis 3 discussion for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, there were people, they didn't care if Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly were guilty or not. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the way the trial played out. They didn't like that they were convicted. They didn't think there was enough evidence. So they were going to do whatever it took to make it look like they're innocent. And that's more important now than, you know, the appearance of innocence and people jumping on bandwagons. Yeah. That's more important now than truth. And they even have the gall I'll bet you to say, if the Van Trees family knew the truth, they would be standing with us. Right. Well, the Julius Jones people had the gall to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, so, well, let's try and end on a positive note here. Um, Again, Amy did a, a fantastic job at the press conference. What is next? Have you heard? Uh, any any counter from Representative Pfeiffer? I, I have read the bill thirty uh, House Bill thirty nine oh three. It looks very promising, and I'm I'm hoping for the best for it. I think that they were supposed to have a reading or something today, but we had a big ice storm, so they didn't. Uh, okay. No, no, nobody worked today. So yeah, that bill. I'm I'm so glad that that Mr. Pfeiffer is is putting that out there because um especially the part where it says you know the measure provides that an inmate sentenced to death may only be considered for clemency when execution is imminent with an execution date pending mm-hmm. and so you know he's putting the brakes on you know I, my interpretation is is he's wanting to ensure that our state puts the brakes on, you know, all of that crazy stuff that happened that permeated our system with with the Julius Jones scammers. Mm-hmm. So but another thing, another thing I saw is that um, it I think strengthens the uh, requirement to notify victims and DAs. Oh, yeah. So that they have the opportunity to oppose. Right. It requires before any hearing granting an administrative parole, the board must provide 14-day notice to any victim and the DA who prosecuted. Um, And it also says the board may not hear a claim of actual innocence. Yes. And see, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think in part that's what McDougal's trying to, you know, get around with with glossop um 
you know, that's what they did with Julius. You know, they got that board to actually consider whether or not he was innocent, even mm-hmm. though they'd never read one lick of the case documents. Correct. Um, and the board may only recommend to the governor the grant of clemency to a sentence of life without the possibility. Of, so, I mean, uh, you know, props to Mr. Pfeiffer. I mean, if, at least we've got one guy in there who is who is fighting to ensure that victims are not constantly re-victimized, um, trying to pass and get something in there that protects Oklahomans and keeps them safe mm-hmm. from rightfully convicted killers like Richard Glossop. And also protect us from people on the pardon parole board that have no business being on the pardon and parole board. Right. So props to Mr. Pfeiffer for that. So, all right, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I'm getting close to the end of the time with zoom. Okay. Uh, But thank thank you you so much. And, um, you know, of course, reach out to me whenever anything develops with, uh, with anything public safety or criminal justice related in Oklahoma. I love talking to you. (laughs) You too. Thank you for having me. And um, thank you for the condolences for my dad. And um, Oh, I'm so glad. But I, I read the obituary that you posted. Yeah. It was truly beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am, I'm everything that I am today because of, 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 of my mom and my dad, but specifically my dad. I mean, it was, you know, he instilled some things in me and, and I know that he would, he, he's, he's here saying that's my girl. I know he is. And he would want me to speak up for people who don't feel that they can. And, um, you know, right now at this moment, you know, we've got to be speaking out for the victims and that's what we're going to do. And thank you for doing that as well. You're welcome. It's like I said, the least that I can do. All right. Take care. Thank you you so much, Jennifer. Talk to you later. Okay, Lisa. Bye. All right. That was Jennifer Harmon. We had a discussion about Richard Glossop and uh, the state of criminal justice and uh, public safety in Oklahoma. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of Based in Fact, a true crime podcast with Lisa O'Brien. If you like the show and want to know more, you can find us on Facebook or follow me on Twitter on at O'Brien L. Ann. Join us on Sunday. February 27th for State of Texas versus Darnell Hartsfield and Romeo Pinkerton. On September 24th, 1983, the bodies of David Maxwell, Joey Johnson, Monty Landers, Mary Tyler, and Opie Hughes were found in an oil field in Kilgore, Texas. The case remained unsolved until a tip and DNA evidence found at the KFC restaurant led to Hartsfield and Pinkerton, who were each incarcerated in Texas prisons at the time of their identification. My guest co-host Kyle will be joining me and he and I are going to talk about the murders, the challenges to solving the case, which included rumors and suspicions surrounding a politician's son. 
We'll also talk about the DNA results that suggest a still unidentified third perpetrator is out there. Until then, have a great rest of the week and stay safe. Good night. Thank you.